0: Hey there and welcome back to another episode of Nature Boost. I'm Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation. Holiday season is here. It's always something I look forward to each year. I love all of the food, finding those perfect gifts for my friends and family, and of course, my annual cookie baking day with my mom. But I do have a tendency to overindulge in all things holly jolly. Maybe you're right there with me, Um, which is why I do make sure to decompress in nature whenever I can. And it just so happens, there is an annual nature watching event in December that I wanted to learn more about, the annual Christmas bird count. So to learn more about the Christmas bird count, I reached out to the best of the best. I'm talking about my birding best friend, Sarah Kendrick. I appreciate you joining me today. I wanna talk about uh, this Christmas bird count. We're recording this a week before the bird count gets started. They start on December 14th and it runs through January 6th. Oh, I was close. I think it would be great to kind of provide some insight into this Christmas bird count. One of the big topics you and I have discussed in the past is about how um, our birds are facing really big, declines, and they have been for years.
1: That's right, so since 1970 we've lost about 29 percent of our birds in North America. So a large study published in the journal Science in September of 2019 quantified the net loss of birds across North America in the last 50 years, and yeah losing a third of our birds is just a little bit too much to handle. So a lot of that study a part of that study were findings from these long-term bird monitoring efforts like the Christmas Bird Count, as well as the Breeding Bird Survey, which is held in the breeding season in the summer. These long-term monitoring efforts really fed into the quantification of the net loss over time because the Christmas Bird Count is the longest-running bird census of its kind, monitoring effort of its kind. It's been held since the year 1900. So this this coming session will be the 122nd Christmas bird count. So it's really, truly amazing that between the breeding bird survey and the Christmas bird count, there were other monitoring efforts included as well in the analyses. We wouldn't know these things without these long-term efforts. So any people getting involved in it and the people who've been doing it for 20, 30 years, you know, doing a Christmas bird count for that long, it's all such important information to gather.
0: So, by the time this episode drops, um, the Christmas bird count, it will have kicked off the day before, on the 14th. Can people still sign up if they'd like to participate?
1: Yeah, they can. There may be some count circles that that haven't filled out their entire crew of people doing the count circle. So, the Christmas bird count is run by the National Audubon Society. So, it's on their website, or you can just Google Christmas bird count, and then there's a link to say join the Christmas bird count. It takes you to an interactive map where you can see all of the Christmas bird counts in the state and the country. They even extend into Canada, uh, Mexico, the Caribbean, uh, the Pacific islands, lots of areas. And so you can choose one and it shows the coordinator's name and contact information. And then you just reach out to the coordinator to see if there's spots or if they need any additional help. It's a little bit close to the dates, so just be aware of that. But yeah, you can reach out to a coordinator and see if they need any extra assistance.
0: Okay, so what if you're not that of an experienced birder? Can you still help or are they like, no, we need more seasoned people next year, kid?
1: It depends on the count it'll just depend on the count coordinator and whether they have their whole plan lined out already most people will like the week before they'll already know all their people going to all the different portions of the count circle so the count circle is 15 miles in diameter and it's plopped on a map and the coordinator will arrange with volunteers to come and divvy up the count circle to them uh, it's, it's a census which is unlike the breeding bird survey and other long-term monitoring efforts which means you drive around your portion of the count circle and you don't access you know, private land if you don't have access, but you go around the count circle and you count every single bird that you see or hear through the 24 hour period from midnight to 11.59 that night on the day of your Christmas bird count. And so I think the Christmas bird count is a great way for new people who do not know their birds to get lots of good experience because you can follow around a group all day And just one of the best ways to learn your birds is to be around other birders who are helping you by pointing out different calls and what the birds look like. And I think the easiest way to learn your birds is with a mentor. So spending an entire day, albeit freezing, (laughs) it's definitely extreme birding, especially for a a newbie. But um, it's a great way to learn your birds to follow some birders around.
0: So it's a 24 hour period that you're doing this.
1: Yes. So on the count day, um, you can count birds for 24 hours from 1201 or 12 o'clock a.m. to 1159 that day. So a lot of people go out before dawn. I go out for my Christmas bird count in Kirksville. Uh, I go out before dawn and you owl. You look for owls and try and check those off your list because they aren't as detectable during the daytime. And you want to get as Well, at least I do. Everybody, you want to get as many species as you can in your count circle in that 24-hour period.
0: Do you get competitive with your Christmas bird count?
1: (laughs) I think I would be lying to say that I don't, but there are many Christmas bird counts in the state that get many more species than I do. Mostly ones that are around wetland areas, just because wetlands are so, they just support a whole lot of life um, with a lot of water and many more birds. And so our wetland areas in the state support the most species year round. but the Kirksville count is an upland count.
0: Wetlands can support a variety of species. I think I've got it so skewed in my head that I think Christmas bird count, we're just looking for like backyard bird species, but it's okay, owls are cool. So, um, you know, eagles are big with eagle
1: days. So do they count as well? Of course, every bird counts. (laughs) Um, So yes, every bird counts and you get such a wide array of species and especially depending on the diversity of habitats within your count circle, that's where you get counts with a lot of species is if you have a wetland and upland areas and fields and backyards and a town and 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 just all the different habitats just increase that species diversity. And so yes, all different types of species, backyard birds, waterfowl, a lot of migrating waterfowl. And a lot of counts find kind of rare species that otherwise may not be found in the area because you're you're spending the entire day searching for different species and scanning wetland areas with scopes. And you're out and about, and that's where you find, that's where you find the birds is when you're- Out ever. there. So- Gotta get out there. <laughs> the birds are out there. So how are you, whenever you're at,
0: doing one of these uh, bird counts, how are you collecting the data? Are you, is there an app you're putting in the info in? Or are you just- writing it down and then submitting it? Or how does that work?
1: I do multiple approaches. So I am a big advocate of eBird, which is an online database that collects all birders' checklists. And there are hundreds of millions of bird sightings uploaded every year onto eBird. And so it's a great way to track conservation and bird trends. and um, But it's also a way to compile your life list and your different birding checklists. So I make an eBird list for the day. And then also, as part of the Christmas Bird Count, part of your protocol is you have a data sheet for your count circle that you submit and give back to your coordinator at the end of the day when you're done. The coordinator compiles all of the detections throughout the day, and then they give it to a statewide coordinator, and then they submit it to National Audubon.
0: How long have you been participating in the Christmas Bird Count?
1: I've participated in the Christmas Bird Count for probably the last 10 to 12 years. I resurrected the Kirksville Christmas Bird Count because it had been defunct for about four or five years, and I'm from Kirksville, so I had to do that one. And so I've been the coordinator for the Kirksville Christmas Bird Count for probably the last five five years. How many uh, people do you have participating in that one? About Roughly. 10 to 15 to 20. It kind of varies. That's a good group of people. That's a good amount, I feel like. There are birders everywhere, Jill. Everywhere, even in Kirksville. (laughs) Yeah, so our biggest population of bird watchers are around our urban centers um, in St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia, Springfield, but there are birders across the state. And yeah, we have a dedicated group that comes every single year around the Kirksville area to get out there on the landscape and count what birds we can find.
0: Like you were saying earlier, all of that information, once the birders put it in there, it's, it really helps in the research efforts to to understand how birds are doing. And like we touched on earlier, sadly their populations have been decreasing. Um, but again, the citizen science efforts like this is one way that you can help birds. And can we touch on other ways that people can help birds as well with their populations?
1: Great question, Jill. Yeah. So in the wake of the three billion birds decline, which is what the paper has kind of been coined, um, a loss of three billion birds are about 29%. There was a big set of actions that uh, Cornell and the authors of the science paper came up with that are online at 3billionbirds.org. It's the number 3billionbirds.org. They're called the seven simple actions. And I think the ones that we should highlight are Christmas bird count one of them is to report your bird sightings whether that's through eBird as we mentioned before eBird.org or the breeding bird survey which happens in late May through June and the Christmas bird count. Yeah these two long-term efforts the breeding bird survey and the Christmas bird count were essentially the crux of this study that quantified the net loss of birds we would not have been able to do that without those two long-term monitoring efforts so these long-term efforts are so important just to gauge how our populations are doing both in the breeding season and for the Christmas bird count in the winter when it's a totally different set of birds to really keep tabs on how these birds are doing. And it can be very disheartening to me when you think about all of these bird declines, but I do think that these seven simple actions and these declines are for a reason, maybe to wake people up and help them to realize that we all got to do something different. Even in a little way, hopefully a bigger way, but we all have to band together to just change certain parts of our lifestyle, small or big, to help the natural environment. I think one good way is clearly to record our bird sightings, but there are other changes we can make in daily life um, that are outlined in some of the seven simple actions. You know, treat problem windows where birds fly into your windows. Bird strikes are the second largest human-caused area of mortality for wild birds, and it's the simplest, easiest thing to change. If you have a problem window at your home or at the office, every single person has one, which is why it's such a big contributor to bird mortality. If you have a problem window where one bird has flown into your window and either died or been stunned, and even if they flew off later, that can affect their survival, treat that window. There are lots of different options. Do your research online. You can hang little paracord strings outside your window. They blow in the breeze and look nice. You can put stickers on the external side of your windows. And it's one of the only fixes that we can do and has an immediate effect. You just won't have bird strikes anymore after you do that. So you can immediately stop that cause of mortality. Another way I think is great around the holidays is native plants. Native plants are species that clearly are native to Missouri. They adapted to our environment, our precipitation, our weather patterns and so they are plants that take a lot less maintenance watering and they get established and so one great way around the holidays i think is to get a gift certificate for your loved ones and friends for native plants from a native plant vendor you can find native plant vendors on the grownative.org website grow native is an amazing program that promotes native plants trees and shrubs and it's run by the missouri prairie foundation so that's a great way to do that and to encourage your friends and family and really just do the work for them by giving them a little money to get some startup plants um, because that's the longest term benefit I think we can do for birds and native insects and it really makes a difference.
0: We're getting into the winter time obviously where birds are having, uh, the birds that don't migrate out of state or may have a little bit harder time finding uh, some food. So it's still important to to feed them this time of year, right?
1: It can be really important to feed birds especially during inclement weather. Ice and snow covering the ground for extended periods of time where birds don't have access to seeds on the ground and so providing that seed in a bird feeder and suet is also very important. You know, any time that we feed birds, we're supplementing their natural food sources. A lot of birds are not relying on our feeders and if we take them down, they'll die. They'll find other things to eat and they know what nutrients they need. But especially when the ground is covered with ice and snow, they may not have many options. Remember two winters ago, we had about two weeks of sub-zero temperatures and ice and snow on the ground. And there was a lot of Eastern bluebird mortality. And some folks have noticed declines in species like Carolina wrens the following year, because those are species that eat soft mast, they eat berries. They eat whatever insects they can find, and when the ground is covered, which is where they do a lot of their foraging, they don't have an option uh, for that long, for weeks of ice and snow on the ground. So feeding mealworms for species like that is also very important, but yeah, it's most important during that tough, those tough weather periods.
0: If you want to get really fancy, too, if you've got some extra cheddar, as I like to call it, <laughs> you could... can... <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Shut up. Um, If you've got some extra money or, you know, if you, it's probably something you, it might splurge on, um, like a heated bird bath.
1: That's a great addition. Look at you. Yeah. Providing water for birds is an essential part. If you're feeding birds, you should also have water out there. Uh, They need that. It's very important. They need that just as much as they do food, especially in the winter months when a lot of water sources are frozen. Yeah, you can find a 30 to 40 dollar one that you keep plugged in. You put it in your backyard and yeah, it keeps the water open and it gives them um a source. It
0: gives them a water source. It That's right. Them a water source. It gave them it gives you know um I saw <laughs> I saw it was beautiful. My mom has a bird bath out. Not right now, but she does in the Warm runs, Um, and there were. That's what you should buy her for Christmas. Ah, I already got her. I started Christmas shopping early, but that's actually not a bad idea.
1: She do love the birds. Well, if you come, she do love some extra cheddar. You should buy her one. That's a great,
0: (laughs) That's a great, great suggestion, Sarah. Thank you. Actually, I might do that. Um, But she had one out over the summer, and there were like five or six bluebirds all in it.
1: Yeah, it's a real game changer for. Your backyard setup to add water. It just will bring in so many more species.
0: Was that a, a Carolina red Carolina Room. Teak it all, teak it all, teak it all.
1: It's really loud. We should go over there and look.
0: Let's go over there and look.
1: Take it all, take it all, take it all. Church 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 chur. There's a red bellied <laughs> woodpecker. Yeah, they don't actually have red bellies. They do. No. You just haven't seen a red belly woodpecker belly. Yes, they have like a, a light wash on their belly. But yes, I, I feel poorly named uh, woodpecker. They should have been called the zebra-backed. That's my personal opinion. Oh, yeah. But yes, they can be confused with the red-headed woodpecker. Red, yeah, because the, they, they both have red heads. They do. But the red-bellied one, it's more orange. But yeah, that's semantics to a new birder especially. But when you see a red-headed woodpecker, you know. Because their whole head is like blood-deep red, you know. And the rest of their body has big blocks of black and white. Whereas a red bellied woodpecker has zebra stripes of black and white down its back and more orangey. And it does have a pale wash on its tummy, hence the name. All right. If you say so. I didn't name it. Uh, what was that one? Tea kettle, tea kettle, tea kettle. You tell me. Tea kettle, tea kettle. Carolina wren. Yeah! <laughs> oh my gosh. Look at me.
0: Burden. Just two babes burden. Yeah. Of course, there's the monster. Talking about woodpeckers, there's the monster. Is it okay? Tell me, is it pileated or pileated or pile? How do you say it?
1: Both are acceptable.
0: Mm -mm. How do you say
1: it? Pileated. Okay, yeah, that's how I I said it too. So I feel good. many people of various backgrounds and professionalism in ornithology that say pileated, so both are equally accepted.
0: Okay, but those are monsters.
1: They are very big, they are our largest woodpecker. And it's crazy to think that the ivory-billed woodpecker was 50% larger than that.
0: That's that woodpecker you sent me a picture of one time. You were like, yeah, this is the woodpecker I was talking about. And I was yeah. like, that is, that looks like the Frankenstein of woodpeckers.
1: Yes, and there is new discussion on whether it is actually extinct or not. Back again, this will always go back and forth. Yep, there isn't, there isn't solid evidence, but there are some folks that think it has never been gone. And then folks who have new... Um, New claims that it's out there. So, I don't know. That's the Carolina Wren. I just, it, it'll go Is this what bird watching is like? You just have to be really quiet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just did it. It was. Uh, we'll uh, here. Yeah, it'll hear it. Yeah, it'll
1: it. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: So, right now we see. Oh, there's
0: some, I think those were blue jays.
1: Did you see it? Yep. There's blue jays. I hear chickadees. I hear a white-throated sparrow. Old Sam. Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. That's a what? White-throated sparrow. White-throated sparrow. So that marks that winter is here and that fall migration has begun is when I start seeing dark-eyed juncos, white-throated sparrows, white-crowned sparrows. I might see a brown creeper out my in my backyard creeping, creeping up a trunk or oh, long branches and those species only winter here. We're like their tropical climes. They breed up in the boreal forests in Canada and the northern U.S. and they come down to us for the winter so that kind of marks that that winter is here for me when we see beautiful juncos and those other sparrow species at our feeders. Okay so I'm going to read you a few stats about the Christmas bird count. The first Christmas bird count was held on Christmas Day 1900. It included 27 birders. That's it. And it was started by Frank Chapman. Frank Chapman, yes, in the Northeast. What color you impressed? Yes. <laughs> I was getting to that. <laughs>
0: Let's start over. Okay. No, I want to keep that in. Go no.
1: <laughs> okay, so yes, right. Frank Chapman started it as an alternative activity for the holidays to side hunts, which were hunts where people took their friends and family out and pretty much shot and killed whatever they could find because there weren't regulations on hunting limits or, or other things like that. And so as an alternative to that, Frank Chapman thought, well, why don't we go out and count the birds instead of collecting all of them?
0: Okay, wait. I want to say. Hey, how about instead of like harvesting them, we just go like count them? Do you think everybody was like, "Nah, we're good. like"?
1: <laughs> I think I think the birders that he recruited to go do it with him probably agreed, but I'm sure that was not a popular sentiment at the time. Yes, <laughs> they're like, "Yeah, we're going out with old Frank over here. <laughs> gotta go count these birds." Probably said, "Yeah, you go do that and count the birds. We'll continue going to." It was,
0: something. it was, it was probably a pretty, pretty out there suggestion for the time now that, you know, cause obviously those side hunts were pretty popular. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, it's okay. So at the very first Christmas bird count was held on Christmas day, 1900 with 27 birders and they conducted 25 Christmas bird counts from Toronto to California. This last winter, the 121st Christmas bird count was held. It included 72,000 participants across the U.S., Latin America, Canada, the Caribbean, and the Pacific Islands, 44 million individual birds were tallied. That was 40.6 million in the U.S., three and a half million in Canada, and over 397,000 individuals in Latin America, the Caribbean, and the Pacific Islands. And so last year and the year before, we had to deal with COVID guidelines that Audubon gave out, right, to try and mitigate large groups of people in one place, which a lot of Christmas bird counts, they have a tallying lunch or dinner after the count where everybody sits around, you talk about all the cool birds that you saw throughout the day, and you compile the final tally of, of species that you found. And so over the last few years, their guidelines were to you know keep groups small, maybe don't have a big meetup, everybody goes out separately. And even in the face of those guidelines with smaller groups of people, they still logged 130,000 hours birding and they covered 539,000 miles across all of their Christmas bird counts which you keep track of your effort in terms of time and the area that you've traveled. And so it's really just amazing to look at the stats like that to show just how widespread it is and how many people are out there birding on a set day around winter.
0: It's beautiful. Thank you for thank you for um, elaborating and give that I think that gives us more insight on the christmas bird count how popular it has become do you think frank chapman think he would know how popular it would become and what a big effort it is you think he's happy i bet he's happy
1: i think frank frank chapman would be very proud yes yeah and it's really interesting to see how the technology has just changed completely we all know this over the last even few decades and that how all of these uh tallies even of christmas bird count bird list used to be all tallied by hand sent to a central place you know at National Audubon all tallied by hand and then a huge like phone book sized book was sent out with all the results and now it's all online you know so it saves us a lot of time and they're able to disseminate the results a lot easier you know you even look at eBird and you can put eBird on your phone and you walk around birding tallying the birds from your pocket and It's sent to a central database, and we're able to track status and trends, abundance, and, you know, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and eBird are able to track all that information for science and conservation. It's really interesting.
0: So really, in other words, it's easier now more than ever to join it and kind of user-friendly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you can just go online to see where there's a count near you or drive a few hours to go to one, or but yeah, just reach out to the count coordinator and see if they're willing to take on new folks. It may be a little late, so give them some grace. Maybe next year is the way to go or to go out with somebody for the breeding bird survey if you're new to it. But yeah, I would just get involved. You know, these bird declines are happening so rapidly and we've seen such big changes that we all have to do something. And this is kind of a fun thing we can do to contribute to monitoring these birds over time. And we all got to do something real soon or, or the birds will continue to decline. And None of us want that you know birds provide so many important ecological roles managing pests you know birds eat 400 to 500 million tons of insects per year and that's hard to, for me to even wrap my mind around but think of what a world would be like without birds managing those insect populations what it would do to our ag systems our plants in general, the entire plant community in the world, what would happen? We wouldn't be able to go outside for many reasons. So birds keep that ecological balance. You know, they scavenge dead things on landscape. They help manage wildlife and human health disease by removing it from the landscape. So plus they're beautiful. They bring so much joy and beauty and they're just little jewels. You know, they're one of the more beautiful things in life. And if we see that go away, I think we we'll all kind of pay for it in some way, whether through just seeing less beauty in the world or many of these ecological jobs they do for us that we may never even know about and understand fully.
0: A big thanks to my good friend, Sarah Kendrick, for joining me on this episode. If you want to learn more about the Christmas bird count or bird watching in general, visit the National Audubon Society at audubon.org. As we wrap up 2022, I want to thank each of you for listening and supporting Nature Boost. It is always such a joy to record these episodes and explore these topics. And I just hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoy making them. If you have any topics you'd like to see featured on the show, remember you can send us suggestions at missouriconservation.org slash natureboost i'm jill pritchard with the missouri department of conservation wishing you happy holidays and encouraging you to get your daily dose of the outdoors